Hi, and welcome to Just One More Cookie, a podcast about two sisters' journeys toward complete health and wellness. We definitely don't have it all figured out, and we're still in the thick of it, but we are enjoying the ride. We'd love for you to come and join us for Just One More Cookie. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Just One More Cookie. My name is Amy. And I'm Abby. And we are so excited that you joined us for yet another episode. And this episode is very special to both me and Abigail. First of all, because of the topic, um, we are talking about body confidence today, which is going to merge just into confidence. And we'll kind of explain why those two really intersect with each other. But today we are recording on Father's Day. And this is our third Father's Day without our dad, who passed away a couple years ago. Um, so we are dedicating this episode to our dad, not just because it is Father's Day, but um, before we started recording, me and Abigail, actually Abigail was sharing a great dad memory. And we were, and then we had to call our brother and share the memory mm -hmm. and all of us laugh because those are, most of our dad memories involve really great big belly laughs because he was a larger than life personality, eccentric, did what he wanted when he wanted. And he was the embodiment of confidence um, because my dad would wear really ridiculous clothing. I mean, let's just get down to it. Um, mm -hmm. Now, when he went to church, oh, he would dress it up nice. Three-piece suits, hat, cane, look like very put together. And then on the weekdays, it was, <laughs> it was a free-for-all. Um, and I, one, one, memory that I have of my dad is um, I, I came home from, I was living in Tennessee and I came home and I was teaching a seminar and I had a group of women at this clubhouse and my dad wanted to stop by because he was so excited because everything we did, my dad thought was perfect and wonderful. Like he would be over the moon that we were doing a podcast. He wouldn't know what a podcast was, <laughs> but he would be over the moon about it. <laughs> um, but I remember he came in and all of us were kind of like, we were dressy casual, you know, and my dad came in in his favorite color combination, red, black, and white. Um, so when he walked in, he was decked out in those colors and he pulled me to the side and he was like, Aim, look at my shoes. So I looked down at his shoes and he tells me that he could not find red shoes so he decided to take his shoes and spray paint them red. And you know, like when you spray paint the shoe and there's still like drips, like residue of the spray paint, that's what the shoe looked like. And it looked like it was still wet, to be honest. But he did not care. He thought it was the coolest thing ever. And when you knew my dad, you realized you just say, you know what, dad, that's really great. Um, because even if I said, dad, that looks ridiculous, he wouldn't care. Mm -mm. <laughs> He was going to wear what he wanted, when he wanted, and he loved it. And um, he just loved doing life. So um, this one is definitely for you, Dad. So one of the things that me and Abigail talked about with the concept of confidence, I told her, I was like, I don't remember like when I was like eight years old looking at my legs and thinking they were big. <laughs> or like looking at my hair thinking, oh, it's so frizzy, you know? <laughs> so we talked about how like, uh, like confidence is, is not, um, it's not something that you gain. It's something that you really lose. 
it, you know, it's almost like you're, you're not born with a lot of these insecurities. It's like we take those on and we lose confidence. So really we're talking about regaining the confidence that we've had since we were kids and that, you know, because of things that we're going to discuss kind of go away. And I know Abigail, you had a story that you wanted to share specifically about, because Abigail taught Sunday school for the children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this was actually several years ago, quite a long time ago. And um, there was this little girl, she actually was a visitor. She did not come all the time. So she was not one of the regular kids. And um, she was, she was a little different. She was super outgoing. I think a lot of the kids didn't really know what to do with her because she was just larger than life. She I thought that she loved the entire world. I, she would come in and she was the type of girl she would be friends with everybody. And I remember she would just come in and everything. This is just so amazing. Yeah. Everything. And that's how her life was. I felt like everything that she looked at, everything, every experience she had was just the best. And I remember she was gone for maybe about a month or so. And so she came back and busted in the door and said, hi, friends, I'm back. I've been gone for a long time, but I'm back. It's just so energetic. And I looked at this girl and I thought she is such a sweet and precious little girl. And then I thought they are going to destroy her because she was not a cute little, I mean, she was cute. Don't get me wrong. She was so cute, but she wasn't one of those little tiny petite girls. Cause you know, even in kindergarten, kids are evil and kids can be clicky and they'll find one kid that they think is just, Oh, this person is so put together. They have really cute clothes. They have a really cute lunchbox. So they're going to be the most popular. And I knew that this little girl, she did not fit that mold. And I just, my heart broke for her because I could see myself in her. Because I remember when I was young, before I started getting, uh, before I was in school, uh, I mean, kindergarten, first grade, that was a little different. But at the older I got, the more a shell of myself I became. But I remember I was very outgoing. I remember my mom telling me this story one time that uh, we had some kind of visiting choir come to church and sing. And I was probably maybe three years old at three or four at the most. And so my mom was looking for me because this is, you know, before the days of when your kids ha kid has to be in your sight every second of every minute. Mm -hmm. So she was looking for me. And one of the guys from the choir was just carrying me around and wandering around with me because I was that super friendly. I'd go up and talk to everybody. And I just thought that my life was amazing. I was amazing. And sure enough. So back to the little girl from Sunday school, uh, she didn't come for a couple years. And so it was maybe, so by this time she was just so quiet and reserved and it was heartbreaking because my prediction came true. I, she had gone to school, she had gone out into the world and the world had told her, you're not as good as you think you are. And she believed it. And that little bubbly, hi friends, here I am. I love everybody. That little girl was so beat down deep inside of that little girl. It was heartbreaking. So... I think that this is definitely a huge issue 
uh, about confidence, especially body confidence. And I know that that little girl and me, we're not the only people that are have struggled with this. I know it is a, a universal issue. So it's, I think it's, it's really important to address why we have this issue and how we can make steps to overcome it. Yeah, I am. So we're kind of like on two ends of the spectrum. So um, I know for me, I, when I was younger, I was a tomboy and I was very much like my dad in that I didn't care. Like I didn't really mm -hmm. care what people thought. Um, I dressed crazy. I acted crazy. Um, and I just thought that everyone loved me. Like I, I did. And I still carry some of that with me. Like mm -hmm. when I go in a room, I think everyone will be friends with me. <laughs> <laughs> and the ones that aren't, something must be wrong with them. You know, like mm -hmm. the concept of like someone not liking me or not wanting to be my friend or like, it's, it's foreign to me, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, I have always projected very confident, you know, my mom tells me stories of when I was a baby and just very reserved and quiet, but mm -hmm. we always talk, you know, the funny part is that the, the running joke is that didn't last very long, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but even though I, I present as confident, there is a lot of deep insecurities that I deal with behind closed doors. And I think that's the spectrum, you know, like I think when, when based on your story app, it's almost like in the, in the public eye, like you are holding back and you're, you know, like dealing with a lot of insecurities. Um, but for me, it's like, I, I've always struggled with who I present in public and who I am in private you know, because who I am in private has a lot of really deep insecurities and, and struggle with my confidence. And I think sometimes it's always, I don't want to say always, but a lot of times it's the most confident people, the people who appear to be the most confident can be the people who are really struggling behind closed doors to really see value in who they are beyond their body, but everything else that's attached with their body. And, and I do, I do struggle with that. And like we say with each one of our topics, we don't, we never want to say we are approaching this from an expert status. If we're bringing it up, it's because in a conversation, yeah. we're talking about it currently going on in our life. And then one of us will be like, oh, we should do this on the podcast because mm -hmm. this is where we're at, you know, and this mm -hmm. is something that, um, that we continue to, to struggle with because like Ab said, there are specific things in our lives that happen that become a destroyer of our confidence. And if we're not aware of that, we'll get to the place of just accepting a specific personality type that might not even be ours. And I think a lot of times what happens is that we go through life and there's specific things that come to attack our confidence. They come to destroy our confidence. And if we're not aware of those things, or we don't allow ourselves to go back to those things and let them heal, we can end up becoming versions of ourselves that we were never meant to be, which is why we lack confidence because who we're looking at in the mirror, we don't recognize. I gain the most confidence when I look in the mirror and I know that girl, I know her, I accept her, I love her you know, but when I look in the mirror and I see someone that I don't even know that I've, I've lost the real authentic version of me based on everybody else's opinions and ridicule and all the things we're going to talk about. 
um, it can be difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I really like what you said too about us recognizing these things that have happened to us, uh, things that you know either externally or internally that we've allowed to destroy our confidence. Because, like you said, if we don't recognize them, we can't address them, and we can't have any sort of healing until we do address it. So the first one that we came up with is dealing with, um, and a lot of this comes in our childhood years, but not always, but dealing with ridicule from others, uh, especially our peers. Uh, sometimes uh, it might be your parents, it might be grandparents, uh, it might be siblings, it might be people in positions of authority over you. But um, being cut down and made to feel like you are not good enough, I know for me in particular, and I remember too, when I first got into school, I was not particularly overweight. I mean, I might have been like on the thicker side, but I was not to the point of unhealthy weight. But just because I got constantly, I shouldn't say constantly, but I was ridiculed in school, you know, it, it, I began to identify as that. I began to identify that, oh, I am the fat kid. And then it, I began to internalize that and feel terrible about myself. And I think a lot of it has to do with also you, when you're younger and it, to an extent, when you're an adult, you just want to fit in with everybody else. You want to be the same. And I remember another thing that I struggle with, and I'm sure probably you did too, Amy. Uh, you know, we always, because of church and religion, we always wore skirts and they were not cute skirts. And <laughs> we did. <laughs> or culottes. Culottes were the we bane of my what culottes are. Culottes. No, so they should understand. We wore these in elementary school. Our oh. mother made them. She's a wonderful seamstress, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. So let's not, she made some really great things. But I had neon color culottes. I don't remember what yours were, but. Uh, uh, the, the same, because we matched all the time. <laughs> so culottes basically are very ginormous shorts. Like two parachutes around your legs. They were just so dreadful. And so not only were we not wearing pants like everybody else, we were wearing these neon balloon pants. So then you stuck out even more. And when you're a kid, you just want to be like everybody else. You know, you want to have the, the same backpack as everybody else. If somebody has Spider-Man shoes, you want to have Spider-Man shoes. If somebody has the new lunchbox with Aquaman on it, you want to have that one too. It's just, you want to be the same. And we definitely were not the same. And I, you know, me personally, I, uh, my personality type, I'm an INFJ, which is the most uh, rare personality type. So then I had a really rare personality type, which makes me quote unquote weird, although I, I really like it. But I was different in that way. And then I looked different. And then constantly internalizing that you're different than everybody else. So that makes you less than everybody else. Everybody else is better than you. They think that you're chubby. So, you know, you're, you're useless and you start to internalize those and you lose all your confidence. So then when I look in the mirror, I see what those other people are telling me to see. So I think if we don't recognize that and we don't separate that from who we are, because I mean, those kids could say all that stuff to me, 
it doesn't shape who I am. It doesn't reflect who I am, but because I was so young and vulnerable, I allowed it to. So I think recognizing that and addressing it and even going back and saying, you know, what was told to me that is not true about myself? What did people say to me that I allowed to, I allowed myself to own that wasn't true? Yeah. It's funny too. Like when you, when you look back at, at elementary school, like the things that would bother you, yeah, <laughs> I know we were talking about this. Um, so I remember I was in fifth grade and we were doing our spelling words. And um, so I was like, I was a big, I was a big girl. I've always been a, a big girl. But once again, I didn't care. I didn't. Mm -hmm. um, I wore my neon culottes with <laughs> Bugs Bunny t-shirts with pride. <laughs> Um, so I'm sitting behind this kid and one of the words was typhoon, right? So right when she said, and he turned around to me and he was like, um, he was like, uh, that's you. You're a typhoon, typhoon. And he kept saying it. And when I say, I was so hurt. I was like, I'm a typhoon. And I connected it to like, he's saying I'm so fat. And then he got another boy to say it. And he said like the, Ooh, like really, I, and I remember that <laughs> this day, I remember that. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was like, at the time it seemed like so devastating. And I think a lot of it too, is like, when you're that age, you are like forming into the, your unique self. But it's like this constant battle between your unique self and then this this desire to always fit in that you want to be like everybody else, right? You want to you want to be accepted. So it's this like constant back and forth between wanting to be accepted but also like no like wanting to genuinely be yourself. But I think um a lot of times when it comes to like the categories of people who can hurt us, I think some in some people have experiences where they've lived in homes with parents or grandparents or people of authority who have said really negative things about them. And that becomes a challenge because it's, it's a different thing to hear that from your parents or your grandparents or people of authority because you look to them so much to define you, you know, and I know even from a standpoint of being different, you know, like your personality is different. You're creative. You're not, you say weird things. You do weird things, you know? And it's like your parents still trying to help you grow. And, and I don't, I don't have kids, but from a parent perspective, like you want your kids to be accepted as well, right? Like, so sometimes in the raising of you, your parents or your grandparents, even though they might not have had a malicious intent, they might have said things to you and about you that have left a lasting impact that you might still be holding on to their words and the impact of their words because you haven't resolved that within yourself so that you don't hold on to things and get bitter and angry and allow those to erode at your confidence. Mm -hmm. I agree. I wanted to tell another story. This is kind of not the same as what you were just talking about, but it goes along the oh, lines yes. of the typhoon story. <laughs> so 
This was, I had a similar experience and I'm, I'm sure I have had a lot of experiences like this, but this one came to mind when we were talking about that. And I remember uh, in, I didn't start going by Abby until I got into middle school. So I always went by Abigail in uh, elementary school because of course my immediate family all calls me Abigail. So that's what I went by. And I remember this girl and I was not super close friends with her, but I was friends on and off with her probably kindergarten up until about second grade, I think. And one time we were on the bus and I remember her saying, she's like, you know what, Abigail, I just figured out your name spells a big ale. And she was not trying to be rude at all. Cause I could see it on her face. Like she had just had some kind of epiphany. Like it says <laughs> a big ale. And I just kept saying, be quiet. Don't say that. <laughs> Because I didn't want big to be associated with my name in any way, shape, or form. Because at that point, I had been ridiculed for my weight. And when you look back, sometimes you have to put them in perspective and think that was really stupid. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's the point. It's like when you're going back like to like moments of the times when you're when you lost your confidence, because that's really the one of the main things of like building confidence is figuring out when did I when did I stop allowing myself to be myself? Mm -hmm. When did I give all of these people and society and everything outside myself power to define who I am? And when you go back to those moments and resolve them within yourself, you realize that um, nobody, can, nobody can make you lose confidence unless you give them the power, right? And really nobody can make you feel bad about yourself unless there's an insecurity attached to it which we're gonna talk about in a minute, but it's like, if somebody, like you said, if somebody comes up and calls me Typhoon, or <laughs> even if somebody comes up and calls me big, like uh -huh. they might say, you're really big. I would just be like, oh, I mean, that's, that's an opinion you can have. Cause it's not an insecurity that I have. I don't walk around thinking I'm so, I'm so disgustingly big. And I guess mm -hmm. we can jump to that because it's so connected. So a lot of times we're not real with ourselves with what's really an insecurity right? Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're coming to try to ridicule me or try to say something negative about me, the only way that I can really get a reaction from that is if that's something within myself that I struggle with, you know? And then it becomes about you and not about the other person. Really, that person gave you a gift because what that person is showing you is there's some insecurities with inside of me that I need to resolve. Mm -hmm. You know, like if Abigail tells me, Amy, you're so loud and <laughs> I don't care. It's not an insecurity, you know, but if you come up and like, like if I'm writing something, right. And you say something about something I'm writing and I'm not very confident about it. Like I wrote something and I'm just, I'm like feeling all the feels about it and you attack it. I'm going to be so mad at you. How dare mm -hmm. you, you know? <laughs> And once again, it's not necessarily about you. It comes back to me where I have to be like, okay, what's really going on is this is something that I'm struggling with. I'm struggling with being confident about this part of myself. It has nothing to do with the person outside of me. It has everything to do with me. So even when we're talking about going back to those ridicule moments, it's for you to discover what were those words surfacing within you that you can personally work on. Because really... It's not about the people because the mm -hmm. people that say negative things to you, they're struggling themselves for people who attack other people or they say rude things. Um, 
It says more about them than it does about you. But when you learn how to own your own insecurities and realize, okay, that that hit a nerve, that triggered me because I'm insecure about it. And I just need to work on that. I need to resolve that within myself. I don't necessarily care what you, you have to say. I care about what this is showing me that allows me to improve my confidence and help me address an area that might be holding me back. Mm-hmm. And I know, I mean, I could tell a, a personal story, something that happened recently. I'm going to tell the story. <laughs> and uh, uh, the person I'm going to talk about, they will recognize themselves in the story if they ever, <laughs> if they ever listen. Just so we you know, names, we won't, but just so you know, I have forgiven you. So, <laughs> so, um, so the other, and probably a couple weeks ago, I had to go to one of our facilities to drop something off and all of the facilities require that you wear a mask. I had forgotten one. So at one of the places, and I don't know, I'm assuming that somebody had donated these. And basically what they did was take a handkerchief and put two rubber bands at the sides. And then the rubber bands were like to go around your ears. Well, the problem was whoever had attached these didn't measure them. So I tried to put it on and it kept falling down because it was too wide. So my face would have had to been out to here for it to fit like a good inch or so bigger. Or my ears would have had to been at the back of my head for it to fit. So I go drop it off. I go back to my office. I take it back to my office. And I show a couple of the girls and I was like, I don't know why they even made these. These don't even fit. And so one of the girls was like, well, if you wanted it to fit, maybe you should have stayed fat and then you wouldn't have had to worry about it. And I was like, you're such a jerk. (laughs) She's like, what? All I said was you just should have stayed fat. And I said, you shouldn't say fat. That's a derogatory term. That's rude. And she was like, well, I'm just saying. And I said, "Um, you need to work on yourself because you're you're prejudiced against fat people. You're a fattest. She she denies it categorically, but I know when you and me talked about this, Amy, you told me it was because I was insecure about it. And I am because when she said that I am thinking back to 30 pounds ago, which wasn't that long ago. It was probably about like probably seven or eight months ago that I was 30 pounds bigger than I am right now. But at that point I was not. I wasn't, it wasn't like I wasn't trying. I was trying very hard. You know, I was still working out. I was still counting my points. I was doing everything that I thought was right and nothing was working. And I was getting very frustrated and I felt uncomfortable in all of my clothes. I felt like, you know, I had to buy more because, you know, you hold out at the beginning because you think I'm going to lose this, you know, 10 pounds or so because I'm not buying any more clothes. And then you keep gaining and finally have to give in and buy buy more clothes. I was just so uncomfortable. And for somebody to call that person who was trying so hard to be healthy and say, well, no, that person was fat. It was really hurtful. So she kind of fake apologized. So, but like I said, I forgive you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, it it was. And I do have to go back and I have to, I have to give my 30 pounds bigger self, I need to give her some love because she was really struggling at that point. And she wasn't less of a person because she was more of a person physically. She still had a lot of value. She was still really special. She was still very, very strong. And I can't allow what somebody else thinks or what somebody else says about me to define who 
30 pound bigger Abigail was. So yeah, it's difficult to deal with, but when you have those, it's a gem because it's almost, it shines the light on things that you need to work on that you need to not make about the other person. You need to make it about you and figure out why does this hurt and how can I fix it? Yeah, it's it's literally a a resolve because a lot of times the things that people are saying about us are really the things that we struggle telling ourselves, right? <laughs> it's like they become the voice in our head outside of us and then we get mad at them. How dare right. you? But really, right. you're just saying what I'm saying in my head on a consistent basis. And now I'm like, oh, well, then it must be true because not only am I saying it, now you're saying it. And instead of taking a moment and saying, okay, now my insecurity is outside and I'm seeing it and it's being put, it's being pushed back at me. So I have one of two choices. Like you said, I can either look at that other person and say, well, you're trash. You're not a good person. <laughs> and really they might not be a very nice person. Not in your case. Cause she's I don't very know. nice. Yes. She's probably a wonderful, a wonderful lady. She is or a man. She's oh, a she's great. person. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Next she's time we must be this. Okay. She's a wonderful fattest. Yeah. And obesest. So I, I feel like um, when you stop making it about the other person, right. And understand that confidence is built and torn down from within Mm -hmm. that there are factors outside of us that contribute to it, but you are the one that either is the source that's tearing down your confidence or the source of building up your confidence. And when you recognize it that way, you take every opportunity, even opportunity where people say hurtful things to you for you to say, why did that hurt me? Mm -hmm. Why did that, what that person said, why did it hurt me? What is that saying about me? And what do I need to resolve within me? Because what happens is just like you said, Ab, one of the main things that destroys our confidence is what we are believing everybody around us is thinking. Mm -hmm. And really all we're doing is taking our beliefs about ourselves and putting it in everybody else's heads. Right. Mm -hmm. And then getting mad at everybody else. How (laughs) dare you all think this? (laughs) When it's our beliefs about ourselves, our Mm -hmm. lack of confidence in ourselves that we give to everybody, all the eyes. And then any little comment somebody says, it's like, see, see, that's why. Cause you're saying this to me when really it's, No, they're just affirming what you are putting out, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's always like going back to an inside, inside job. Okay. So listen, so the next one, um, the next destroyer of confidence is comparison. And this can be a really big one. Um, I struggled in school, let me say. And Abigail was always advanced, actually her and Aaron were just always extremely advanced. And I remember at a very young age, I found myself in the comparison game, right? And once again, our parents were just never, my parents would never say, why can't you just be smart like Abby or or Abigail or Aaron? Mm -hmm. Um, Never said that. Like my mom was always so amazingly patient with me and my dad too would tell me his own stories of struggle. But I found myself comparing myself um, with Abigail and always coming up short and feeling less than. And then also just comparing myself with people around me because I felt different. I just felt like I didn't fit in. Um, Even from the standpoint of being a tomboy, like my mom would like every morning in our morning prayer before I left, she would say, and God, please help Amy find friends that are girls. Cause I didn't have any friends that were girls. All my friends were boys, you know? And like, 
So it was just a, um, it was a constant. And I find myself still like having those moments, you know, and I think social media doesn't make it easy. It's like looking at everybody else's life and thinking they're prettier than me. They're more successful than me. I should be further along in my life. You know, even from the standpoint of being a single woman, I don't fight this thought a lot, but there are times where it's like, you think, I'm almost 37 years old. You know, a lot of my friends ha are married and have kids. And it's like, I don't feel like going out with single people anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like when you get yourself into this comparison trap, what happens is, is that you start, um, you start discrediting all the beauty that's within you and looking outside of yourself and identifying all of that as beauty. And then you begin to, um, it's almost like down on yourself. So there's this song, it's by Jonathan McReynolds. If you haven't heard it, you must listen to it, but it's called Comparison Kills. Um, I'm gonna read, there's like three specific um, um, stanzas of lyrics that I wanna read because I think it's so powerful. But it says, um, you spend all night admiring pictures. They make life look perfect as they should, but you don't know the picture's story and how long it took to make it good. It makes you consider shoes you don't like, but when that shoe doesn't fit, wear what you will, despite how they feel, comparison kills. The grass was fine until it looked greener on the other side. Now you're believing that you fell behind. But why try to match what should be one of a kind? You're one of a kind. Beautiful song. That's really good. Yeah, you must listen to the song. But this is this is really what the... Um, the thought of comparison kills. The reason why I love that the strength of that phrase is because it, it is a it is a death per se, right? Because it's like when I am comparing myself with other people, I am literally killing off the authentic, and I'm gonna say authentic a lot because I think that speaks true to what confidence really is, is embracing the authenticity of who you are. Because when I'm comparing myself with other people, I'm killing off me and saying, oh. That's what I want because that's success. That's beauty. That's happiness. So I'm going to deny what's inside of me. I'm going to get rid of my own inner voice and I'm going to mirror my life after, after all these people, right? And things and trends, all of it and lose myself in the process because I'm not okay with me. So I'm going to keep looking outside of myself. And that's when you get in relationships that you were never meant to be in. That's when you you change careers when maybe you shouldn't have, or you move to different places, or you or you end up gaining a bunch of weight because you're so upset and depressed and think I'll never get to my ideal weight and you just start binging. Or um, you get below the weight that you need to be because you start starving yourself. I mean, that's like the essence of um, a lot of um, eating disorders is based on just looking outside yourself and just never feeling enough, never feeling like who I am and what I have is enough. So confidence can never live there because now everything that you've taken on is everybody else's. I can't be confident in everybody else's identity. If I have everybody else's stamp on my body, when I look at myself, I don't see Amy. I see Abigail's, I, I see Abigail's brains and, you know, um, my mom's ability to articulate and I see, you know, Aaron's humor, all these things that I think I wish I were more like, and I put those things on me, I lose Amy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, comparison kills. 
That's really good. I think, and this will tie really nicely into our uh, another destroyer, and that is our culture. And I think a lot of that has to do with comparing ourselves to what our society deems as acceptable, what they uh, they esteem as desirable or beautiful. And it's just all fake. And I think that the problem is they have created this artifice of beauty and it's something that nobody can achieve. And I don't know what the purpose of it is. I don't know if it's to make us buy things because if we think if I buy this, I'm going to look skinny or, you know, I'm going to have the perfect complexion. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's ridiculous. I know that, you know, for, I don't know if this is still a thing, but I know the, the popular thing to attain was a thigh gap. And the bigger your thigh gap was, the more attractive you were. I will, I have never, and I will never have a thigh gap. And no. who cares if your legs touch each other when you walk? What is the big deal? It's so insignificant. And I know that especially because all of this societal pressure, it really affects teenage girls for sure. Because of course, that's where in that they're in that developmental stage. You're going through puberty. They feel awkward. And so they're so much more susceptible to this. So then they're starving themselves to try to get this stupid thigh gap, which who cares? You know, it's all of this, you know, and even the the advertisements that they do, they've shown that they do all kinds of computer touch-ups to make, they'll elongate people's bodies or make their arms skinnier or change, you know, they'll make their eyes like balloon their eyes and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And it's all, it's all fake, but we still see it and our brain gets tricked and thinks that, this is what society thinks is beautiful. So this is what I need to shoot for. And it's not attainable. So I think if we don't recognize that and how unhealthy it is, and we start to fit into that mold that society is telling us we need to fit into, that's all we're going to see. And we're not going to see the beauty that is already within ourselves. So it can be so dangerous if we allow that to be at the forefront and at the center of our attention and our focus. Yeah. And I think like, I feel like this is, this has just been around for so long at different varying levels, you know, especially from the woman's standpoint, the amount of pressure that we are under all the time with advertisements, with social media, like it's just very much driven towards the feminine side of who you are is not enough, mm -hmm. you know, like, um, it doesn't matter. Oh, you lost weight. Oh, well, it's not good enough. Cause now you have loose skin. Mm -hmm. Oh, you got liposuction on the loose skin. Oh, well, your, you know, your chest is small. You need to get implants. Oh, yeah. It's, it'll never be enough. It mm -hmm. will, it will never be enough. And and the insane part is, is that not only that, we, we live in a culture that ident that like praises the shell of mm -hmm. the person, right? But does nothing to celebrate what's underneath the shell. And then we spend so much time trying to gain confidence in the shell of us, how we present physically. And meanwhile, inside, we have no confidence in who we really are, which is why we keep talking about body confidence is really confidence. Because there's no point in having confidence in your body, but being but inside have all these insecurities and not even really know who you are. Um, so I think understanding that 
within our culture, it might never change because that, that is true. That's why, that's how people sell. They sell mm -hmm. by making you feel like it's, you don't have enough. The only way that I make you buy something is to show you that without this, your life is painful. So now mm -hmm. I got to show you, oh, you think you're really living? Well, you're not until you get this contraption. In fact, your life is horrible. You know, <laughs> so it's like, it's made that way. So understanding that we're probably not going to change it. So you just reduce your exposure to it, especially during your most vulnerable times. Like if I'm feeling super vulnerable and already struggling with like my confidence and how I'm feeling about how I look, it would not be a good idea for me to go on social media and look at how fabulous everybody else's life is and how great everybody else looks. That's probably not a good time for it because understanding that the culture is always going to be feeding us images and media that is going to be telling us we're not good enough, how we present isn't good enough, and our bodies are trash. Mm -hmm. um, so understanding that. And also, another one that can be a definite destroyer of confidence is if you've had some form of failure in your life. I know a lot of times, um, especially from the perspective of somebody that is a perfectionist, um, failure can be so difficult to deal with. I remember, um, so I wrote this, I wrote this article and I wanted to submit it to online magazine publications. And I didn't for weeks because I was like, oh, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. And um, so I ended up just submitting it to online publications. And a day later, <laughs> I got an email and they were like, thank you so much for your submission. However, we will not be using it. And it was that simple. And I had to close my computer and just walk away and sit for a minute because that hurt my heart so much. Did they but give the you any feedback or say why? No, That's no they never do. They just say no. Um, but if you read anybody's story that's ever done anything in life that matters, they will say, oh, I heard no a million times. Mm -hmm. Oh, I failed more than I succeeded, right? But if we, if we live our lives to believe that failure is final or failure is a, um, we embrace ourselves as a failure and not failure as a part of the growing journey. If I took that and thought I'm a failure as opposed to this failure is just teaching me something, then I would have let that put me an entire spin of, wait, should I even be a writer? Should I even be doing this? Clearly I'm not good enough. And I need to start looking for other jobs. That's as that's as deep as that moment could have gone. So I think sometimes when you're trying to achieve things in life, understand that failure is always part of the journey. And some people even now might be living well below their potential, well below their intellect, their capability, all because they failed five, 10, 15 years ago and have never been able to get over it because they saw that failure and embrace it as I'm a failure and not this failed, which means this is helping me build more confidence in myself because failure always puts you back to the drawing board. So I saw that and I was like, okay, I'll write something else. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna keep sending it. You're gonna know my name, <laughs> someone else. You know what I mean? Like that's just a part of the growing process. But if we don't allow that and just keep embracing failures and saying, well, I'm a failure, then 
once again, that erodes at your confidence in being able to believe that you can accomplish something because you can't accomplish something until you really start failing and pivoting and reworking it and learning more and making new connections. It's just all a part of the process. Mm -hmm. I think that going right along with that, I think that rejection also comes into play, especially just for example, with your, your story that you just told, it's very difficult to put yourself out there because there is that fear. What if people don't like it? You know, yeah. you might not have even put that story out there at all because, you know, what if they don't like it? Or, you know, you might not want to even try to, I know in the past, me personally, when I was really struggling with a lot of fear of rejection and a lot of insecurities and zero self-confidence, I would shy away from making new friends because it was always, what if I put myself out there and they reject me? Instead of saying, you know, when, if I am rejected, it's, it's not about me. It's about that person. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, not, and I've, this has been something that I've had to learn. Not everybody is going to like me and not everybody is going to, uh, going to see value in what I have to offer. That's fine. Because honestly, there are people that I not that I don't value them, but I think that there's people out there. I look at them and I think you're not a good person. I would not want to bring you into my circle because you're a toxic person. So just like I don't want to include everybody in my circle, people are going to do that to me, but that doesn't change who I am. So, but I can see, I know that this is a huge factor and it can be really controlling if you allow that fear of rejection to stand in your way or a history of being rejected. So like with you, if you had allowed that one rejection to say, well, you know, I, I'm not good enough, so I'm going to quit. I mean, what kind of beautiful things that could have been birthed that were not? I remember, and I don't remember the exact number, but I heard that Anne of Green Gables almost did not get published because she submitted it. I don't remember how many times and it kept getting rejected. And finally, I think it was a couple years later. She finally, somebody asked maybe a publisher or something, if she had anything and she dug it out and gave it to the publisher and they published it. And now we have, um, the Anne of Green Gables and Anne of Avonlea <laughs> two DVD, two VHS <laughs> tape box sets. On repeat at the coat check house. Oh, that we loved. <laughs> that we loved and enjoyed. And Gilbert yeah. Blythe and Josie Pye. You know, it's what what uh, wonderful stories we all would have missed out on if she had said, nobody wants this. Nobody values what I have to offer. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to keep it secret. I'm not going to share it. How sad is that to allow that to derail you? Yeah. And I think that th these two things, failure and fear of rejection are so huge and just move so much further beyond just having confidence to really looking in the mirror and asking yourself, what am I missing out on? And what is the world missing out on? Because I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. Like how many people that are listening have a book inside of them that they can write? Or how many people have a business idea? Or how many people are missing out on loving, fulfilling relationships? Like when I started doing dating apps, um, which was an experience in and of itself, 
we should maybe try to just put this whole story in another. <laughs> we could do this for hours. I have so many stories. <laughs> Anyways, when I when I did the um, when I did the dating app and I put my pictures on there, I put a lot. I had like three full body pictures. One of them of me in a bathing suit because I understand that I am not for everyone. That my body type does not attract everyone because everybody's body type doesn't attract me. You know what I mean? Like there's, I have a certain type when I'm looking for somebody that I would be interested in dating, right? So I understand the same is true. So I put my pictures out there because I'm not gonna give you a bunch of like neck up selfies and try to present something I'm not because I'm confident in myself. Even if I look at my body and know that I'm still working on my body, I am confident that I love my body and that somebody else loves my body too, or is going to love. So the times when I've gone on dates from the app, the first thing that most of them say is, oh my gosh, you look like your picture. <laughs> and I'm, on, I'm like, yeah, that's the point. But right. the problem is, is that there's so many people on there misrepresenting. And that the first thing is if you're misrepresenting on that, then it already shows that you're not confident in what you are coming to the table with. And I tell, when I go on dates, I always say like, um, I am who I am, but like, and you don't, if, if I'm not for you, okay, great. Let's just move on. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there's no, the, the fear of rejection is just in this idea that everybody has to accept me when that's not a reality. If you reject me, you're giving me a gift. Cause what you're saying is that I, that you would not value me and you would not protect who I am and you would not accept who I am. So, um, I feel like I feel like a lot of times when we when we struggle and we don't we fear rejection, then what happens is is that when we go out and we present ourselves, we are always trying to look at the environment and see who do I need to be in this environment to be accepted? Who who are they looking for here, right? And then it's like we become a chameleon. And once again, I can't be confident in that because I'm changing all the time instead of just saying I am who I am. You can accept it. You can reject it. Either way, I'm going to be me. And the people that are going to value that are going to come into my life and celebrate it. Mm -hmm. That's good. All right. So we've talked about all the things that can destroy us and keep us down. So now let's talk about how we build ourselves up. Some things that we can do that we've talked about and some of them we need to start putting into practice in our own lives and some of them we have but some things that we can do to boost our confidence, especially our confidence in our bodies. Cause I think that is probably the biggest part, at least, well, at least from my experience, that's the hardest thing for me to be confident in because it's on display all the time. So yeah. it's, it's difficult, but one of the things that you can do is to dress for your body type. Now, um, I, <laughs> I have a kind of a funny story. So uh, I remember, I don't know if you heard the story, Amy. Uh, Mom told me one time that grandma had this thing that she did. Uh, and I think she got it from a magazine maybe. And they had, I think it was either in the late 80s or early 90s. And it was something to do with like a color wheel or something. Mm -hmm. So you had to, and I think it had to do with like your skin, like your skin shade or whatever. But whatever you picked like a season. So you were either a spring, summer, winter, fall. 
And then there was a color scheme that fell into these certain seasons. So grandma would actually take the printout with her when she went shopping to make <laughs> sure that she would be in her color season. Uh, but so, but her, 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 uh, basically where she was coming from is saying, you know, there are certain things that, you know, you personally might try on and think this washes me out. It doesn't really go good with my skin. I don't feel confident in it. Cause I don't feel like I look nice. So maybe take your color wheel when you go with you to the store and then get something that you think will compliment you. Uh, I like to wear green because I have green eyes. And a lot of times when I do wear something green, it really makes my eyes stand out. And people say, wow, your eyes are so green. And it's just because it compliments me really well. Although I will um, give a little bit of disclaimer. So um, grandma told me, I don't know if you remember this, Amy, that I could wear all colors, all colors <laughs> with my skin tone. But she might have just been saying that because she was my grandma. But yeah, well, she, she never told- said that to me. <laughs> She did not throw around compliments. She probably she, said, she did. She said I was exempt from the color season. So, <laughs> but her point was was well taken. And yeah. there are certain things that I see when because honestly, hats off to people who wear whatever they want and feel confident. I mean, I applaud you. But I think that you can dress in a way that compliments you so that you can, I I guess it boosts your confidence because you know that people are looking at you and they're saying, oh, she looks really nice. And um, so, and I, it's, this is a fine line. I don't want to get into the part, any kind of body shaming or saying you can't wear that because you're too big. But at the same time, you can dress for, uh, in ways that will enhance your positive features are ready. You can, uh, you can express your creativity. I know, you know, I like to, I really like to dress up and I like to wear colorful things. So, you know, I've gone online and just happened upon this um, YouTube channel and I've done a couple of the recreations and made some really cute high heel shoes, some glittery ones, some ones with gems on them, all kinds of stuff. And it's just a way for me to express my creativity. And then I can go and kind of put outfits together. So, I mean, you can have fun with it and you can really start to look and examine yourself. What are my positive features when I look at myself in the mirror? You know, do I have um, a small waist? Do I have, you know, do I have nice legs? What, What do I have that I can accentuate that I can really make stand out and make me feel more confident. Yeah. And I think too, like, um, back to your point, like we're not saying you shouldn't wear this, Mm -hmm. but I think understanding like what looks really good on your body. Um, I think a lot of times we let like what we wear go with what's trending. Right. Mm -hmm. So I know for me, like, um, when I wear like bodycon dresses, which are like super form fitting, um, they don't always flatter my body. And I know for you, like you kill it in a body count. Like you look great. I look, I know from my body type, I look better and I feel more comfortable when I am in, it's called a skater dress, which is just gathered at the waist. And then it flows out just because I understand the size of my hips and what looks good on my body. So it's like knowing your body type and what like what looks good on your body type like you don't always have to have just like bags hanging down from you you mm-hmm. know 
Like, especially if you feel like, well, I'm, I'm a couple pounds overweight, that's fine. But you don't have to wear garbage bags because you mm -hmm. don't like your body. Like if it's a money thing, go to um, go to the Goodwill and just buy cheaper clothing. But buy things that you feel good in, you know, mm -hmm. just because you're not your ideal weight or you're going through a difficult time. One of the things that can boost your confidence is getting your hair done or going and finding clothes that like the colors brighten up. I'm the same. I love bright colors. You will rarely see me in a solid color. Um, I just love bright colors and I love wearing dresses because I feel like it accentuates my body the best. So um, don't feel like in order to be cute, you have to be at your ideal weight and you have to, you know, have a six pack and you're waiting until you get to that point. Mm -hmm. Have fun where you're at. Like I will say, get creative with what you have or get creative when you buy things and buy things that you like that, that make you look good. And I know like sometimes I'll be going out and people will be like, why are you dressed up? And I'm thinking, first of all, I'm not dressed up. But second of all, I like, I take pride in what I wear because I want to look nice because I know mm -hmm. if I'm putting time and effort into what I'm wearing and I feel good, that means I'm going to be more confident. That means I'm going to be able to connect with people better. That means as a businesswoman, I'm going to be able to make more deals because just mentally I'm going to be there. It just, it filters down into so many areas of your life. Mm -hmm. um, now this one Abigail corrected me. There's not science behind this, but there is a TED talk with millions upon millions of views. Mm -hmm. This lady talked. Well, about I think she said that there's not definite science behind it, but they have shown that it can work in certain instances. So thank you. That's our disclaimer. Mm -hmm. Yes. So there is a TED talk out there where this lady talks about doing a power pose. A power pose. So the way that a power pose looks, think about uh, Wonder Woman when she has her hands on her hips, is that Wonder Woman? Mm -hmm. Okay, so where she has her hands on her hips, right? So that's called like the power pose. You can't see, but I have my hands on my hips. So what she said is in the morning, if you stand in front of the mirror and you have to stand very tall because they talk about how much posture can really impact your confidence. So she said, if you before you go about your day, you stand in the power pose and you just take deep breaths and you look at yourself in the mirror, and I think you're supposed to do that for like two minutes where you're just holding that pose. And she said throughout the day, if you feel yourself feeling less confident or overwhelmed and not yourself, she said, put yourself in that pose and that will begin to increase your confidence. I haven't personally tried this, but um, I was reading a book by uh, Shonda Rhimes. She's the one that writes for Grey's Anatomy and How to Go Get Away with Murder. And she talks about how she uses the power pose like every morning. And she, according to her, it works wonders. That especially when she's really struggling with her confidence or she has like a really important meeting or she has to get something done, she's like, she goes and does her power pose in the mirror. Um, so that's something that you might want to try. Mm -hmm. Another thing that you can do is we talked about this last week when we we're talking about relieving stress is to do your affirmations. And um, it's just like, like we said last week, hearing it out loud is so much different than actually just reading about it. But when you vocalize it and say to yourself that I do have worth, I have people that love me, 
you know, I, God loves me. My parents love me. I know that my brother and my sister really love me. I've got people, I've got really great friends. You know, I have value. I am creative. I am strong. I am smart. All those things you can say those to yourself and you might not believe them, but vocalizing them and allowing yourself to hear them, it starts to become a reality and you start to believe it. So I think that just doing those every morning and putting that positive energy out there and speaking positively to yourself, because it, me and Amy, we talked about this actually yesterday when we were talking and saying how if we talk to other people, the way that we talk to ourselves, I, I would never say some of the things that I say to myself to other people. And I would never allow somebody to talk about the people that I love the way that I talk to myself. If somebody came and told, like, talk to you, Amy, about the way that sometimes I talk to myself, we would have a really big problem. It yeah. would get very violent very quickly. And for me to sit there and allow myself to talk like that about me, it's unacceptable. So taking away those negative thoughts, those negative self-talk, taking it away and changing it, replacing it with that positive self-talk with those positive affirmations and telling yourself you have value, you have worth. Yeah. Um, so the, what you were talking about, there's this book called untethered soul and the author talks about your inner roommate. Um, so I'm skipping a couple since you mm -hmm. are already talking about inner roommate. But um, one of the things that you can do is putting your inner roommate in check. So what he means by inner roommate is he says that we have a voice inside of our heads, which is us, but we'll call them our inner roommate. And he said a lot of times we allow this inner roommate into our minds and we allow this person to badger us. And he said, imagine that your inner roommate came outside of your head and was standing in front of you saying to you the things that you are saying in your head all day. Mm -hmm. And he said, more than likely, you wouldn't allow any person to talk to you like that outside of yourself. Like if the physical person outside saying the things I'm already saying in my mind, you would be upset. And then the same thing you said, let that person, let that inner roommate talk that way to somebody you loved oh, they would get beat down. Mm -hmm. But we allow that inner roommate every single day. We give them space. We give them free rent. And that inner roommate is us. And we let them get away with saying anything. So affirmations is a way to get that inner roommate in check and to say, these are the words that, that we are allowing in our mind. This is the narrative. This is the dialogue that we are inviting into our home of our mind. Anything else is unacceptable. So it's putting your roommate in check, even when you find yourself going back into old thought patterns like that, finding something to put it in check. I know for me, sometimes I do my affirmations midday because my inner roommate gets real cranky around like one or two and she's <laughs> at it. So I got to put her in check. I get out, go on a walk. And I'm saying those affirmations again, because what happens is that I can say my affirmations, feel real confident, and then go throughout the day and just feel overwhelmed and tired and all those things. And I can start hearing myself say things like, you know, you're never going to accomplish your goals, or, you know, you're always going to be struggling, or, you know, this is never going to work out. And slowly but surely, the dialogue shifts. And I find myself even in my body starting to like, you know, like shrink down and get tired. 
So it's like putting your inner roommate in check is going back to those affirmations that you've already established that are speaking truths into your mind and into your heart that you want to be consistently echoed inside of you. And I think um, not only with affirmations, but doing daily gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be talking about just the side of body gratitude. This is going to sound totally crazy. So one morning I was getting up and I was going on a gratitude walk and I was holding something in my hand, right? So I'm saying all the things I'm grateful for, the trees, grateful for the sky, <laughs> all the things I'm grateful for. And I look down at my hand and I start moving my fingers, right? And I was like in awe. I was like, big stare. I was like, I'm so grateful for these. <laughs> I'm so serious. It was like this surreal, like real, like spiritual moment. And I took my hands. I like, oh, it's like I can hold things. And I'm like, what if I didn't have fingers? Like, what would my life be like without these? fingers. And like, I got into like deep gratitude for my fingers. And it sounds so ridiculous. But if you think about how much you have talked down to your body, right? How many times we look in the mirror and we say things either out loud or to ourselves about our body, like, oh, Like you just look at your hair, like what's wrong with you today? You're disgusting. Why do you look like this? You're too thin. You're too thick, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, looking at your legs, like, why do you look like that? (laughs) And it's like this constant, you know, especially our poor hips and and thighs and stomach, like they get the brunt of it. Mm -hmm. It's like when you're shifting to body gratitude and understanding that your body is just not a tool for show, like your body literally is helping you go throughout the day and you're putting so much strain, you're putting so much activity on your body and it's carrying you through. When's the last time you just looked down at your legs and were like, man, thank you, legs. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) It sounds silly, right? But it's like sending that kind of energy into your body is where a lot of that health comes from, right? It's like, Words are powerful. So what if you looked at your legs and your arms and and you just said, man, thank you legs for carrying me around all day. You took me from place to place and you worked and you did your job. You know, after I do a workout, man, thank you body. I just put you under a lot of stress, but you did it and you overcame. Like think about how much your body has overcome. How many times you were sick and your body healed itself. Like that's not something small. So I think really getting into a state of body gratitude is another way for you to not only just be confident in your body, but to really start connecting to your body and realizing, okay, this isn't just for taking cute selfies and for going out in cute clothes, that this body that I have is the only body I have. And I'm thankful for it from head to toe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gratitude in any shape or form is so important and can be so beneficial it really just puts things in perspective. So if I am grateful for this beautiful day that I have, you know, it's sunny outside, the the birds are chirping, I feel such peace and serenity. It quiets that voice in my head that says, you know, you're kind of useless and 
Um, you're, you're not where you're supposed to be and you gain two pounds today. You're a piece of trash. But if I sit there and I think about all of the things in my life that I'm grateful for and all of the blessings that I have, it really does silence those voices. I had, um, I took this, uh, online class and one of the weeks for homework, we had to do a gratitude journal. And if you've never done this, I highly recommend it. Even if you do it just for one week. And uh, I think they wanted you to do five things every day, but I think I did three. And I tried to be as creative as, as I could and not just do the, you know, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my job. And all of those things I am grateful for. But each day I tried to do something either specific to the day that something that happened during the day or something that I wouldn't normally think about. Kind of like what you were just talking about, being grateful for your fingers. I mean, that's not something I wake up every morning and say, oh, I'm just so grateful for these fingers today. <laughs> it's just, you know, if you have that mindset of gratitude, it puts your life in such perspective. It makes you happier. It makes you feel better about the world. And as a result, you feel better about yourself. So if you've not tried it, I highly recommend it. Just sit down, write down a couple of things. What are you thankful for? Because I guarantee even if your life is in the state of really just chaos, and right now it's in the dumps, there is always at least one thing, one silver lining to your cloud. So I, I highly recommend it. It really does put things in perspective. Yeah, I actually have one. This one is called Finding Gratitude. And this was gifted to me by a friend, but there's so many um, gratitude journals on Amazon. And even if you just have like a notebook and I literally just wake up every morning and write one thing that I'm grateful for and write a little narrative and then write one thing I'm grateful for at night from the day. And it does, it makes a huge difference. Um, another thing, um, just when we're talking about mindset is to go on a social media fast. And the reason for this, and, and not even just going on a social media fast, meaning just like have specific times where you're not on it. Um, I have read from so many successful people who talk about when they wake up in the morning, they don't allow themselves to look at their phone. Like they don't check their email. They don't get on social media or anything because they understand um they understand that when you begin your day and you have all these images coming at you, it can, it can seek to erode your confidence in the morning, right? So if I'm waking up in the morning and I'm seeing all these photos and, and things on social media that are reminding me that my life isn't that great and I'm not that great, um, I can already be starting off on a negative standpoint and even throughout the day, like it's just been shown in so many studies how much social media can negatively impact our lives. And it's a reality, right? Like we're going to use it. But the main thing is, is putting, um, putting parameters on it, just giving yourself specific times, not letting it run your life and understanding that being on it consistently all the time can really impact your mindset, can impact the way that you go throughout the day, especially when you do it in the morning and especially if you do it right before you go to bed. Let those be your sacred times of like journaling, doing gratitude, doing affirmations, like all the things that are setting you up that are reminding you who you are, what you want to accomplish, what's inside of you, the beauty of who you are from the inside out. Mm-hmm. 
Another thing that you might want to try uh, is to surround yourself with people that are confident because it really does rub off on you. I actually have a story of uh, a time in my life when I was not a confident person and I almost inadvertently rubbed off on somebody else. Uh, this was actually when I was in college. So this was 65 pounds bigger, uh, Abigail. So I, as you can tell, as you probably could guess, I, my self-esteem was in the toilet. I felt terrible about myself. And this is before I had started losing weight at all. So, you know, cause I have anybody who knows me, you've seen my up and down, you know, I'll, I've lost a lot. I'll gain some of it back, lose it. But this was at the very beginning. So I had not attempted at all to do anything. So I was still carrying a whole lot of emotional baggage. And I remember I was friends with this one girl and she had this one guy, uh, it was in our clinical rotation. And there was this one guy who worked in another department and she had the hugest crush on him. She's like, oh my goodness, I just have such a crush on him. I just, he's just so amazing. I mean, and he was all right. It was nothing special, <laughs> but she thought he was amazing. Mm -hmm. So she kept, she was like, I'm going to, I'm going to write him a note. And so, of course, I am projecting on her because I would never do that because I knew in my heart of hearts I would have been rejected. Mm -hmm. So I am just I was like, I don't think you should do that. You know, don't don't do that. And I kept trying to talk her out of it because I'm thinking she's going to get rejected because I would have got rejected at least, you know, and I don't know. I don't want to put that on that guy. You probably would have because I did not. I was not in a good place physically or emotionally. So he might've very well rejected me, but I kept, I, I was scared for her and she good for her did not listen to me. And mm -hmm. she actually wrote him this note. It was very, it was kind of high school actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you he, like me check one box. I know, I know, <laughs> but he actually ended up, he, they went out for a, a while and it was because she put herself out there. But if you are around people that are confident, it does tend to rub off on you. And if you are around people who are not, who live in fear of rejection or who think poorly of themselves, they are going to project that onto you. And they are probably going to think poorly of you or be fearful. And you are going to think, oh, you know, they, they think that I am just, you know, I'm, if I was in that situation on the opposite side, I could have easily not even put myself out there because I would have internalized that from the things that, you know, this other person was saying, you shouldn't put yourself out there because he's going to reject you. And I could have said, good thing she didn't, but I could have said, oh, you're right. I should just be quiet and not say anything. Yeah. And so I think that if you are if you're looking to allow people into your circle, or if you're trying to distance yourself from people, you really should look out for people that are confident, that think highly of themselves and think highly of others. And those that are not toxic, those that are not negative, because the environment that you create, you want it to be a safe place and you want it to be a positive space. So if you do look to do that, it's really going to help you to boost your confidence. Yeah. Um, this is, I think, one way that you can really figure out the level of confidence of the people around you is how much do those people ridicule and talk about other people? Like if you find yourself in a lot of social circles with people that talk about other people a lot or that gossip a lot, understand that those that's a very um, 
That's a group of people who aren't confident because confident mm -hmm. people don't feel the need to tear other people down, right? Like if, because I'm confident in myself, I want to build other people up. I don't need to build myself up by tearing other people down. So if you find yourself um, within that kind of environment, and I, I know personally, like I've been in that environment, I've been that person before and it had zero confidence, you know what I mean? And it was like, that was a way to make me feel like I was confident or feel like I, I valued myself. But really check like the type of conversations that you're getting into and how people treat you in general. Um, another thing that you can do, and this one might be uncomfortable for some, for some people, is to look at your body naked. Which means when you um, are standing in front of the mirror, maybe before or after a shower or just randomly when you're changing, is to take time to look at your body naked. Because once again, I think a lot of times we can have very toxic relationships with our body. And when we think about um, the areas of our body that maybe we're ashamed of. So I think looking at your body and just becoming accustomed to it and becoming okay with it and accepting it. Um, cause I think there's something to be said of always avoiding the mirror, especially when you're naked, um, can have a lot of psychological issues when it comes to really accepting and being confident in your body. Maybe do a PowerPoint pose when you're naked, combine those two things together, you know, um, but get accustomed to seeing your body naked and be okay with it. Look at it and maybe it's not in this, in the shape that you want it to be in, but give yourself grace. And maybe do your body gratitude when you are naked because um, you can combine so many of these. But I think that there's a lot of value in that and just like looking at your body head on and accepting it. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, when you look at yourself clothed or naked, whatever your preference is, you can look to search to find something that you like because everybody, even if you do have poor body confidence, you're going to be able to find at least something that you like about yourself. And once you find that, find ways to enhance it or to flaunt it. Uh, for example, for me, which I already talked about, I like to wear green because of my green eyes. I have a relatively small waist to the rest of my body. And it's, it's something that is a positive for me. So I like to wear things that show off my waist in comparison to my hips. So I'll find things that are more form fitting. So I don't do like you were talking about the skater dresses. I really don't do those because I have really big hips and thighs. And so if I have that suction, like real close underneath my uh, chest and it kind of just falls open, it's just really big and it doesn't show my hourglass. It doesn't show off my waist. So I found things that I have that really show off my assets, the thing that I like that look good, <laughs> <laughs> my assets. But I think it's very important too, when you're looking at those things and thinking, how can I dress my best so that I feel confident? You don't always have to go by things that are super trendy. Uh, there are certain things out there that I don't wear, even there, though they're in fashion, because I know they won't look good on me. So, I mean, you don't have to fit into the mold of what society says is cute to wear. Uh, not everybody is a size zero and six feet tall. So certain things are not going to look good on people that are short and a size 12. It's going to look different on that, you know, six foot model 
than it does on that five foot six person or on me, this five foot five person that is not a size zero and will never be a size zero. So I think it's just owning who you are and realizing that what you have is not going to be what somebody else has. So find what it is that you like and learn to show it off so that you can feel confident and you can feel good about how you look. Yeah. And I think the idea is like clothes are not to hide your body. They're to highlight it. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And when you do that shift, it stops being, how do I wear as many clothing pieces as I can to hide my body to how do I wear clothes that flatter what I have? You know, the human body is a beautiful thing. It's not, it's not something to be ashamed about. And I'm not saying walk out in the street naked. There might be some <laughs> legal issues there, but I am saying like, a lot of times I think people dress with the mindset of how do I hide this? Mm -hmm. How do I, I'm ashamed of it. So how do I hide it? And like that arose at your confidence and, and people can see that, you know what I mean? Like people can see when you present like that. Um, so yeah, it's like, understand it's really this whole thing about confidence is really getting to know your body and getting to know yourself because we lose it, right? We're that little girl in the Sunday school that when we were young, we loved our body, we loved ourselves, and then we lost that. So now we're just trying to get back to that little girl and say, um, I, wanna, I wanna understand you better, um, which transitions us to the next one, which is discover who the person is inside of your body. You know, like I said before, um, this is not, body confidence is confidence. The two are together because to be confident in my body is to be confident in who I am. So understanding that um, it is a constant discovery of who am I and being okay with that and being okay presenting that in any environment. Um, and like we said before, knowing that everybody isn't going to accept you, everybody's not gonna be your friend, everybody's not gonna um, you know, fall all over about your body, you know? My body's not for everybody, <laughs> but my body's for me and I'm okay with that, you know? So really take time to discover who you are. And if you think about it, um, going back to the essence of who you were when you were young and figuring out, did I lose that girl or that boy? Did I lose that, the essence of what made me, me? Um, I went through like a, a really transitional time in my life where I did a lot of starting over. And one of the things that I realized was I had lost so much of me, um, so much of what made me me, you know, to fit an environment or a belief system or what people thought I should do and be. And it was like returning to Amy was, um, was such a healing process because it was like me um, being okay with the qualities that I felt made me weird and made people think something's wrong with Amy, you know, where like people would be like, what's wrong with you? Why are you like that? And then I'd be like, Oh, I shouldn't be like that. Okay. <laughs> shove that down, you know, or like I would dress a certain way or act a certain way. And I'd be like, Oh, you're too loud. You're too opinionated. Okay. Push that down. Push <laughs> that down. You know what I mean? And it's like, um, coming back to, um, discovering that she's still there, right? She's still inside. Um, but it's just taking off all the layers, healing from all of the the things that I've used to shove down the authentic version of myself and discovering who I am and being okay with it. Because that's confidence. It's, this is who I am. 
I'm okay with it. If you're not, that's fine. But I'm going <laughs> to continue being me. <laughs> I love that. I don't care if you don't like it. That's fine. I'm going to continue to be me. That is a gold because yeah. it's very difficult to get to that point, that part, that uh, point in your life. But when you do, it's, it's so wonderful. It's very yeah. freeing. All right. Another thing that you can do, which I've talked, we've talked about this several times and we will probably continue to talk about it for the remainder of my lifetime, because I struggle with this constantly. We need to make sure we are not letting the scale define who we are because, you know, and here's the thing, like we talked about before, our weight can fluctuate every day, uh, one to two pounds. So the person that I am today is the same person that I am tomorrow if I gain two pounds. And it's the same person I am the following day if I've lost 1.8 and I keep going up and down. So we have to use the scale. If we are losing weight or we're trying to get back on track and lose weight, we do need to use that scale as a guide because of course we need to make sure that we're not getting off track and we're not just throwing in the towel and saying, who cares? We need that as our, you know, kind of a, a, a measurement of where we're going, but we need to make sure that we are not allowing that weight gain to say that we're a failure. Oh, you know, I gained two pounds. I am as big as an elephant. No one is going to love me because I look, I'm not a size zero. I don't have any value. So it's very important that we use the scale as the tool that it needs to be. And we don't allow it to control us. And we don't allow it to define who we are because it doesn't. The scale is just a number and it's a number that we need to track and keep, you know, be aware of, but it doesn't define who we are. Yeah. Um, another one that we can do is to affirm others. And I think this is one that, um, that we don't do enough because especially if you're struggling with confidence, the idea of affirming someone else means that we have to be put in the background and then we are praising someone and putting them in the foreground. And I think especially um, from a woman's standpoint, I don't see it enough where women really do affirm other women genuinely, you know, and beyond just your body. It doesn't have to be like body compliments. It can be compliments that say, I just really appreciate how kind you are to others. And I just, I really, I really, um, you know, I, I respect your your confidence and I just think that you carry yourself so well. Like, I think we spend so much time criticizing ourselves or being criticized that there's not a lot of affirming that goes on. So I think doing our best to really affirm others and let and help build other people's confidence um, because that's a way to actually build your own confidence because it, it helps you, um, see the beauty in others and be okay with, man, I get built up when I build somebody else up. That's the beauty mm -hmm. of it. That is very beautiful. I agree. And just even being kind to people, the same thing, affirming people, being kind and encouraging people. I really think that it is very important, especially if you are a parent and you have kids to make sure that you are teaching them, first of all, to be kind to other people. Because as we talked about at the beginning, some of those childhood situations and trauma 
can be very detrimental and can take years to get over. So if you're teaching them, you need to value other people, be kind to other people. And then I also think it's so important if you have little kids in your circle that are under your influence, it is so important to affirm them and affirm their appearance. Because I know just from my own personal experience, I know our parents never told us that we were pretty. And I mean, they never told us we were ugly, but it just was not a part of the culture. And I even had talked to my mom about this because it almost started to, it was very weird because I feel like I got in my thirties and she started telling me how I was pretty all the time. And it was almost like, are you dying? Why yeah, are you telling me I'm pretty? She said it to me one time on FaceTime. She's like, you know, you're really pretty. And I was like, wait, what's wrong with you? <laughs> right. It's just like, are you dying? And you're telling me this now because you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a very foreign it's a very foreign concept. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just because she didn't grow up in that environment. Right. And to be able to hear that from your parents, it's, it's such a, an unbelievable gift. And really there, your confidence is really built when you were a kid and it comes so much from your parents and from your inner circle and from those that really have authority over you and, and have that really close influence. So if you do have kids and they don't have to be your kids, it could be nieces, nephews, it could be kids that uh, are your uh, friends, kids, any opportunity that you have to, that you can say, you look so cute in that. That is really cute. You know, you have such a beautiful smile. You know, you're such a sweet person and it doesn't have to be all about their physical appearance. But of course, that's so important because that is something that kids pick apart about each other all the time is going to be their physical appearance. So any opportunity that you have to influence a little hellion please yeah. take it because they need it. And then you can encourage them not to be a little hellion and to be yeah. kind and courteous to others and to love others the way they need to love themselves. Yeah. And I think the idea of, you know, some parents might think, well, I don't want them to be too full of themselves. I just feel like we live in a world that is so critical that mm -hmm. the messages we get on a regular basis are why we're not enough. Mm -hmm. So I think that that, that fear <laughs> is not really founded because there's just too much of the opposite coming at us. I know for me, I go to uh, the Dollar Tree and I get just blank little cards and I'll get a pack of them. And I've been, I just started doing this right before the quarantine. I don't know why, but I just started like writing random encouraging notes to people and just either put it in their mailbox or I'll like slip it into something. I try to do it so that it's like a surprise. And it's always so simple. And it's just a simple, encouraging message and an affirmation of who they are. Because the three greatest gifts that you can give someone is to show them that they're seen, they're heard, and they're loved, you know? And that's a great confidence builder to say, I am seen, you know, that I'm known, I'm loved. That builds up confidence. And the feedback that I've gotten, and the, the cards literally took me two minutes to write, you know? And most of the people who have gotten them have been in tears. Like, I'm just so thankful because we don't do it enough, right? We spend so much time beating ourselves up and letting the world beat us up and others that it's like, it feels good to be encouraging to other people and let them know that they are loved. So um, those are just a list of some of the things that you can start to apply. I encourage you to do something at least once a day that's really going to help you 
continuously um, build up your confidence. This is a practice. For some of us, these things might not come easy for us. And for some of us, we might have been in situations that have beat us down for so long. It can be a foreign concept to start to build confidence in our lives. But it is a daily practice. So I encourage you to put some of these, um, some of these into your life. Um, so that you can truly be the confident individual that you were always meant to be and that you were when you were a kid. So um, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Just One More Cookie. We are so glad that you joined us. Please don't forget that we have an email address now, One More Pod. Oh, I keep saying One More Pod. <laughs> one More Cookie Pod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Um, we would love, love, love to hear from you. So Email us, send us questions, comments. If you have topics you want to talk about, if you have a story that you want to share with us, um, we've been getting some really great reviews on the podcast. So thank you for all of you who have um, who have reviewed. If you haven't, go on Apple Podcasts, go on Spotify, leave a review. Um, YouTube, make sure that you subscribe to our channel, leave comments. Um, it's just been so great hearing comments from you guys about things that you've been implementing, things you've been learning. It's a definite confidence boost for us and it encourages us to keep going. Um, so make sure that you stay active within the community. Nope. All right. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. And we will see you next week on another episode of Just One More Cookie.